0: Hi friends, welcome to Unyielding, a podcast for Pathways to Hope Network. Our goal for this podcast is to connect with mothers of children facing the juvenile court system. We want to use this platform to give a voice to the challenges you're facing while you're learning to navigate the sometimes scary and uncertain world we enter when our child has been charged with a crime. For the next 30 or so minutes, we hope that you will feel seen. We hope that you are reminded of your value and that you leave a little stronger than you arrived. Most importantly, though, we hope to honor the always beautiful, often heart-wrenching, unyielding love that a mother has for her child. Hey, Mama. The other day, a notification popped up on my phone notifying me that someone had scheduled a session with me for the following day. It was a little unexpected, so I went to check it out and it was a mama that I had been working with for a while and I knew something must have happened. So I sent a quick text to check in on her. She quickly sent a reply. I can't do this anymore, she said. We are constantly arguing. I don't even know who he is or how to have a simple conversation with him anymore. I completely lost my cool today and now I feel horrible. How am I going to get through the next two years? It's all too familiar. And I think everyone listening right now at one time or another wondered how this close relationship that we once had with our child had morphed into an ongoing battle of the wills that felt like we were usually on the losing end of. Well, today's episode is part three of a three-part series in which we have been looking into common teen behaviors, kind of diving into why it happens and what about the behavior creates challenges for us and what we can do in response. Today, our focus is on conflict. Every day you wake up with a default GPS, let's call it guardian's perspective syndrome. Contrary to what our teens might think, this GPS is not dialed into how to best suck the fun out of their life and control their every waking moment. Instead, it's dialed into the overall well-being of our child. I mean, isn't that what we really want? And as we navigate through the day, we're bombarded with alert after alert notifying us of potential dangers, traffic jams, or construction ahead constantly questioning if we would like to change our course. And that's the brain of a mama. Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. We've been in the driver's seat ever since we first buckled them into their first car ride. We've been driving the car and looking in the rearview mirror, making sure that they're okay, that they're safe. We've been responsible for their health and their safety, and it's been our job to keep them safe from potential threats. Each time we've succeeded, we've been rewarded with the best feeling on earth, feeling like a good mom. And each time we failed, we've been punished with the worst. Shame. Well, a GPS system works great in helping us efficiently get from point A to point B in the fastest, safest manner possible. But it forgets to take a few things into consideration when guiding our parental journey. It forgets to take into consideration our humanness, our bad days, our hormones, our exhaustion, and our stress level. Oh, and let's not forget the failure to take into account our child's bad days, their hormones, and their exhaustion and stress level. You know, when we're navigating the toddler years or even the early primary years, our inner guardian's perspective system does a fairly decent job of keeping us on track. We trust our intuition and begin to depend on it to get us where we need to go regularly. And it's a pretty decent system. I mean, if I were going to hop online and give it a review, I'd give it a solid four out of five stars. But over the years, our maps become outdated. And we inherit the world's worst backseat driver. God bless their confidence in seemingly knowing everything, they seem to have their own GPS, which I think we can all agree as a newer model does not seem to have the kinks worked out yet. And they are just as adamant about where they're headed and how they will get there as we are. And now we're heading straight into an unavoidable collision course, conflict. Parent-teen conflict is inevitable, right? We all know that. We can all agree with that. The definition of friction is the resistance that one surface or object encounters when moving over another. And nothing describes a parent-teen relationship better. Your child experiences your resistance to what they want, and you experience theirs. Understanding that conflict is less about an entitled teenager or a controlling mom and more about normal friction that's created by two individuals both wanting control, whether that control comes from a place of desiring freedom or desiring protection, helps put conflict into a proper perspective. It can be really easy for us, especially when we're already experiencing stress or fatigue, to try and quickly put the kibosh on a request or more often demand our teen has without fully hearing them out. Our GPS starts setting off alarms, warning us, trouble ahead, trouble ahead, and we follow that instinct. Before you know it, your child's inner troll reveals itself and years has decided to also make an appearance, resulting in everyone walking away with regret over words spoken and actions taken, or on the opposite end of the spectrum, sometimes the battle just feels like too much for one person in one day, and we cave. In utter exasperation We capitulate, but not without feeling, one, resentful, and two, like an utter failure. Conflict we experience with our child is not only normal developmentally, it's also not the worst thing for our relationship with them. See, through it, you both are learning healthy conflict resolution, and that's a lifelong skill. You're also both learning how to verbalize your needs. Conflict also teaches us flexibility and how to listen. As your child gets older, autonomy becomes more and more important to them. Their constant striving towards independence in almost every area of their life, except for laundry and dishes, ironically, very naturally puts strain on your relationship with one another the relationship is shifting from one person exerting control and autonomy to two remember friction when researching conflict with teens and in my own experiences i've found that there are two things i can do that will 97% of the time change the trajectory of the path i'm on with my child two things you say no problem i can do that i can complete any task that has only two steps, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. First, I love the enthusiasm I'm imagining you feeling in this pretend conversation we're having. Second, it's not so easy peasy. In fact, it's a little more melon squeezy than lemon squeezy, but it is effective, not just in your relationship with your teen, but with anyone in your life that you're experiencing conflict with. So let's talk about it, shall we? Step one in the articulate words of Taylor Swift. Yep, you need to calm down. Step one in a conflict is we need to calm down. Not they need to calm down. We need to calm down. If you're feeling angry, that twitch is coming back in your right eye. You're feeling your heart beating in your throat. It's time to step away, sis. I typically do this first by activating a broken record statement. This is something I have talked about before. It's a statement that you have prepared and it's something that you always use or some version of it you always use when you need to stop things from progressively getting worse. The broken record statement that I like to use when I'm feeling that anger building up inside me is I care too much about you to react in anger right now. I need to step away. So let's talk more when I've calmed down. And you might notice that in this broken record statement, the focus here is on me, it's not on my child. So it's not saying, You are too angry. You need to calm down. It's saying, I care too much about you to react in anger to you right now, and I need to step away. So let's talk more when I've calmed down. If you know that you are blessed with a persistent child who has the inability to sense the danger of trying a woman who is currently hanging on by a thread, have an exit strategy planned. Peacefully. Without attempting to get an Academy Award for the best stage exit, take your keys, your phone, and your tennis shoes and give yourself the gift of some space to calm down. Conversations when not feeling emotionally regulated seldom go as well as we'd like. I saw this picture online the other day. It was a row of wood stick matches and they were all lined up next to each other. The first six had been clearly burned. The seventh, however, had not been touched by the fire. It had been pulled down about half an inch. The six matches that came after it were also unburned. And the caption read, the power of stepping away. It was so powerful that I'm often able to use it as a visual in my mind when I'm experiencing these intense feelings of frustration or anger. During your time away, you have only one goal. Any guesses what that might be? We've talked about it before. Your only goal is to become emotionally regulated. Use the time to process through all the feelings that are coming up for you. And sometimes this can take a while, right? But there are some things that you can do that might be helpful. For instance, talking to a supportive friend is helpful. Talking to a supportive friend who has a sense of humor, even better. There are few things that get me out of a funk, like being able to call my best friend and say, let me tell you what this idiot had the audacity to ask me today. And before you go and get offended, I do not think my child is an idiot, nor does my friend. She loves him. She cares about him the same way I do, but she's raised two teenage boys, and she knows what knuckleheads they can be. I know that she will hear me out and then quickly come back with an endearing comment like, what a moron. And then we'll spend the rest of the time working through what I'm feeling, his motive or perspective, and what I should do next. It's such a blessing. A few other options are you could cry. Crying activates the parasympathetic nervous system and actually lowers the stress hormone cortisol that's in our bodies. Crying is our body's attempt to self-regulate. So drive to a church parking lot and let the healing waters flow. You can also pull up some deep breathing exercises on YouTube, Every one of these actions is an incredible act of self love and self care, and it's just what you need. Sometimes I'll open up the um, voice notes app on my phone and I'll do a recording as a way to release all of the negative thoughts and emotions that I'm experiencing. And then I usually delete it afterwards or save them. I don't know, maybe I'll write a book someday. 100 reasons you should buy your mother flowers on Mother's Day. The point is, give yourself the time and space you need to release all of that negative energy. Trust me when I say it's an investment to your relationship. Feeling calm will make step two so, so, so much easier. But before I tell you about step two, have I ever mentioned how much I hate yard work. I know, random, right? Honestly, though, some people love yard work. I mean, it's their Zen zone. They get outside in nature and they're breathing in the fresh air and they're feeling the dirt between their fingers and it feels so peaceful. They love the way that they're able to create order and structure. But for me, yard work is a far cry from therapeutic mostly because of one particularly invasive plant species, blackberry bushes. Ugh. Now, don't get me wrong. I love their fruit. In fact, there are few things in this life that give me pleasure, like a blackberry that has been warmed by the sun on a summer day. I mean, a quick blow to the berry, just in case of bugs, you know, and I can pop them in my mouth one after another until my stomach hurts. They are so, so good. But those bushes? Those bushes are the reason I hate yard work. They pop up all over my yard. They entwine themselves into other bushes. They grow in between my fence boards. They even climb up trees and they pop up between pavers. They're relentless and I can't go in my yard without turning a corner and seeing another batch that needs to be dealt with. When I decide that I'm going to tackle them, I put on my gardening gloves Two pairs, if you know, you know. And I grab my gardening shears and I start hacking them back and dragging them to the yard waste bin. For a while, I feel better—a sense of accomplishment. I mean, the blackberry bushes are gone. I revel in my ability to see a problem and deal with it. Everything looks like it's in order again. But what happens when you trim the vines of a plant? They grow back. Even if you run a riding lawnmower over the top and sit idle above them for two to three minutes, speaking from experience, they grow back. The only way to deal with the problem is to dig up the roots. But digging up the roots is so hard, and I don't want to dig up the roots. It's going to be a lot of work. Our soil is clay, and it's going to require a shovel, and worse, jumping on a shovel. It's also going to require a pickaxe, and let's be honest, a few swear words. And it's going to come at the cost of frustration and a sore back. But I know that my yard will never be free of this invasive species, Unless I deal with the roots. And the same is true with your child. When you are in conflict with your child, there is the vine on top of the ground, which is the issue you're being presented with, and there is the root, which is buried under the surface. Do you kind of see why getting yourself emotionally regulated was an important first step? I mean, to get to the roots, you'll need to be able to uncover their perspective shovel and jumping, you're going to have to break through your judgments, clay soil, you're going to have to recognize their emotions, pickaxe, and communicate that you understand them, sore back and frustration, try to go in unregulated and you won't be any more successful than I would be if I tried to tackle our blackberry bushes, harried, hormonal, and hungry. But once you get to the root, the whole thing begins to look a lot different. So when you sit down to talk to your child, make sure that you are both calm. Hey, I was wondering if you'd like to sit down and talk about what was bothering you earlier. Thanks for waiting until I calmed down. I really didn't want to take my anger or frustration out on you. I'm not ready to make a decision yet, but I'd like to hear more about what you want and why it's so important to you. When you start the conversation with your child, it's going to go slow. And your goal is just to understand their perspective and not to find the solution yet. We're not doing any decision making. I have found that open-ended questions are really the best tool for this process. Finding out what they want will be easy, but to find out what they really want, you'll have to kind of dig a little bit deeper. So here's an example. I want to play on my Xbox. Okay, well, why is that important to you? Because it's mine. I got it for my birthday and it's stupid that I can't play it. Well, it makes sense that it would frustrate you not being able to play something if it feels like it's yours. I mean, I can tell that it's important to you. I don't play video games, so I don't really understand the need to play. Why do you like playing so much? I don't know. I just do. Sounds like you never really thought about it before. I think it might help me understand why it's important to you if I understood what you like about it. If you had to take a guess, what would you say is the best part of video games? silence, lots of it, right? And during this time, I want you to kind of avoid trying to fill the space in the silence by offering suggestions. Try and avoid saying something like, um, well, what is it? The action, the adrenaline, what? That's kind of the response that you're going to be tempted to have, to get out the shears and start clipping away. Forget about the roots, I'll deal with them later. But stay the course. Breathe. Breathe. If they can't come up with anything, you can try saying, I can see that's a tough question. Do you want some time to think about it? Maybe we can take a break and talk more after dinner. Chances are they won't want that and they might be able to come up with something. Good. I don't know. I guess I just like playing the games. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Why does it make you feel when you're playing? Feels good. I'm glad you have something in your life that feels good to you, and I definitely want you to feel good. Why do you think you feel good when you're playing? Oh my god, mom, seriously? Can I just play? This is so stupid. I know this feels stupid to you, but I'm your mom, and I really hate fighting with you, so I'm really trying hard to understand you because I can tell that video games are important to you. You want time to think about it? No, I don't need to think about it. I don't even remember the stupid question. Deep breaths. The question was, why do you think you feel good when you're playing? I don't know. I guess because I know I'm good at it. It feels good because it's something you know you're good at. Yeah, I've gotten so much better than I was. I used to suck, but now I can get really far. I heard some other kids at school talking, and I'm way farther than they are. Oh, well, that makes sense. I mean, it feels really good to get better at something that was once really hard for you. And I can see how feeling like you're good at something that others are struggling with makes you feel even better. Thanks for taking the time to explain that to me, bud. I feel like I understand much better why your Xbox is so important to you, and as your mom, I want you to feel good about yourself. I need to ask a favor, though. Can you give me just a little more time to think about this? I can tell that this is really important to you, and I want to try and come up with a solution that works for both of us. See, in the digging, you begin to uncover the truth behind the conflict. In this scenario, Which, by the way, did you love my impersonation of a teen? I mean, I think I was really spot on. (laughs) My son would for sure be offended. Um, But in this scenario I just described, it wasn't about playing video games. It was about the feeling that he gets when he plays video games. Feeling good about himself or maybe just feeling good about something. The answers that you receive may change your response to the situation or it may not, but at a minimum, it'll help you understand what's motivating your child and together, you might even be able to find an alternative way for them to meet those same needs. These digging up root conversations become easier the more that they're practiced. Okay, so I know you heard my little script and thought, oh, she's making that seem so easy. It's not easy. It takes time, but I think the thing that helps me the most is just to remember to stay curious. You're really trying to figure out like what is the need that's underneath the want. And the really cool thing that happens is they very naturally kind of become this boundary. You know, we don't get what we want by yelling, shouting and demanding. We have calm conversations. We express what we want or need and why it's important, and we are heard. Being consistent with boundaries when dealing with these issues will be helpful in the long run. They get easier and easier over time, and through them, you get a better understanding of your child, and they understand themselves better. Boundaries, even when met with resistance, send a message that you love and care about them. Once you've dealt with the roots, then you reset whatever the new boundary is and you try to keep it light anytime that it needs to be revisited, okay? So let's say after having this discussion, you decide to allow your child to play video games for an hour every night, but not until they get their chores done and take care of their responsibilities, When the situation crops up again, and this time your child is like, can I just get on at three o'clock because all my friends are getting on and I really want to play, that's when you bring back in a broken record statement. And it's like, it's the same every time. So your kid knows what they're going to get from you. Personally, I like going with the, I love you too much statement. And I'm extra sweet when I say it. It drives my kids crazy. And that's an added bonus. So can I get on my Xbox? Sorry, responsibilities come first in your life. Remember, I just love you too much to teach you anything different. Let me know as soon as you're done and I'll switch on the internet. Hopefully that helps to give you a couple of tools in dealing with conflict. So let's do a quick recap of what we discussed today before we go. Conflict you experience with your child is not only normal developmentally, it can actually benefit your relationship. Through it, you both are learning healthy conflict resolution, which is a lifelong skill, and you're also both learning how to verbalize your needs. It's teaching us flexibility and how to listen. That goes for them and for you. When feelings of anger begin to build up, that twitch comes back in your right eye, you feel your heart beating in your throat, you need to calm down and... Activate your broken record statement. I care too much about you to react in anger right now. I need to step away. Let's talk more when I've calmed down. Take some time to process through all the feelings that are coming up for you. Talk to a friend. Cry. Do some deep breathing. Go for a walk. Use your voice notes for a future publishing deal. But get it out of your system. Until it is released, it's going to be really difficult for the next step, which is to dig up the roots to find the truth. When you sit down to have that conversation, make sure that you're both calm. Try and use open-ended questions. Avoid trying to fill the silence. Seek first to understand their perspective and where they're coming from before you begin problem solving. And take the space that you need to come up with a solution. Don't feel like you have to end that conversation with a resolution right away. Time is your friend. And finally, practice, practice, practice. This is a skill and it's going to take time. It's not something that we are used to having to do. It's Uploading a new map into our GPS system so that we can more effectively get to where we need to get to. Remember that these moments of conflict are actually key to the long-term health of a parent-child relationship because it's in these moments that the relationship gets reshaped to include more reciprocity and equality between everyone that's involved. Okay, friends, well, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Unyielding. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today. If you did, could you show some love to this community of mamas by leaving a review and subscribing? You know how lonely this journey can be, and when you leave positive reviews and subscribe, it makes a big difference in helping other struggling moms out there find us. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website. The link will always be in the show notes below, where you can access an ever-growing library of resources, like a list of local and national resources that may be helpful, a page entirely devoted to frequently asked questions, as well as our blogs that cover a variety of topics. When you visit the page, remember to subscribe so you're added to our monthly newsletter designed to encourage and educate you throughout this process and beyond. You can also find our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram posts designed to help keep you fighting. Remember, family is like life. It's a fight for territory. And once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. Until next week, friends, remember we are stronger together.